0: all right good morning there we go some happy people in church good to see you this morning you look great springtime you lost an hour of sleep but i can't even tell isn't that good i told my wife i went into the i did not feel good when the alarm went off this morning and i went into the kitchen and all the clocks said what time it was to my body which started with a five And I was like, yeah, it feels like that's what time it is, but it's not. But it's great to see you. We're excited about this season and uh, just how we're continuing to move forward. And I know you're all updated now and ready to go. So I want you to get your Bibles and just turn with me to a couple of places in the Psalms. We're going to be looking at Psalm 78 and Psalm 23 this morning. Before I read and and jump all the way in, um, just just a little bit of stage setting for you. Uh, From now until Easter, we're going to be in a new series that we're calling Stories Around the Table. And so we're going to be looking over the next several weeks all the way up until Easter just about some different ways that... um, the revelation in scripture about table and how important that is and particularly with jesus and his disciples we're going to be taking a look at how the table and how that applies to our lives so we're going to be talking about stories around the table but today i'm just going to be painting with a big broad brush and uh, just sort of getting the canvas ready for us to do some individual looks here a little bit down the road And we're going to be talking about the God who prepares a table and just looking at this idea and what God might be saying to us. And I want you to get your heart ready because I believe that God wants to speak some things into your life for today and for this week about how he'd love to meet you at the table. And so let's look at Psalm 78, verse number 19, and then we'll read a very familiar verse in Psalm 23 we'll we'll just uh just see what see what we can learn today from the word are you ready for the word good psalm 78 19 simply ask a question and the question is can god set a table in the wilderness when we read psalm 78 it's a it's a recounting of israel's journey and it's really pointing out the failure of the israelites to trust god and the psalmist tells us that they asked the question almost sarcastically or or in a mocking way of god they asked the question of god can god set a table in the wilderness and then psalm 23 you've probably heard this verse it's a great great psalm I encourage you to read it often pray it often but the psalmist says in verse number five you spread a table for me in the presence of those who trouble me or in the presence of my enemies you spread a table for me in the presence of my enemies we're going to talk about the God who prepares a table let's pray Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for your presence and your people. Lord, we thank you for this moment. And Lord, when we come to the scriptures, we recognize that we come to... The living word of God. Lord, these are breathed on by you, and we have them because you breathed on them, and we need you to breathe on them again. So, Lord, we know that you will do that, and we pray that you would not only breathe on these scriptures, but breathe on our hearts so that we can receive the life that comes from you. Thank you, Lord, that you have something to say to us. We ask you to give us ears to hear what you're saying. Lord, however many people, however many ears there are listening right now, you have that many things to say to us. And I just wanna join with my brothers and sisters and say today, God, we want to hear what you have to say to us at the Gate Church. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Tables are one of the things that we find just constantly recurring in scripture. And there are things that constantly occur in scripture that you might not expect to find in a holy book or in holy scripture. And it's interesting when we notice the things that are continually referred to or show up in the stories of scripture, the things that we find and so tables are are fairly ordinary you don't really go through any day of your life without encountering a table of some kind and so tables are just one example of something in scripture that teach us that God wants us once watch this God wants to meet us in the ordinary and the everyday things of our life. We often make a mistake in believing that because God is extraordinary, and because God is supernatural, and because God is above all things, and He's uh, He's Almighty, that God and meeting with God is only reserved for extraordinary moments. But one of the greatest things that you can learn as a follower of Jesus is that this extraordinary God, who is beyond all limitation, who is beyond all. Uh, all ways of understanding, he wants to meet us not in the extraordinary moments of our life, but he wants to meet us in the ordinary and in the everyday. He wants to meet us at places as ordinary as A table. He wants to meet us at places as ordinary as our living room or our home. And so God is constantly looking for ways to show up in my life in the ordinary and in the everyday. Um, The story of Scripture is so full of the concept of table, I want to just draw your attention to a few broad brush strokes, and and I want you to notice with me that the story begins with a command from God to the first humans ever, and the command that He gave the first humans was, eat freely. Now, if you can't say amen (laughs) on eat freely... I don't know what to do for you this morning. If you can't have church on Eat Freely, I got nothing for you. I mean, if you can't get excited that you've got a God who wants you to enjoy your chicken legs, your chicken wings, your ribeye, come on with a little bit of, you know what I'm talking about? See, I knew I'd get y'all preaching. I was talking about the Word of God for five minutes, and as soon as I said chicken wing, y'all started amening. God says to Adam and Eve, I want you to eat freely of every tree of the garden. So, in the beginning of Scripture, God says, I want to be with you and I want you to eat freely. At the end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, There is a verse, a promise in Revelation 22, 17, and this is what it says. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come, and whosoever desires, let him drink of the water of life freely. So, I mean... I know that, you know, I might have a bias or I might have an agenda, but it just seems to me significant that the Bible begins with God telling us to eat freely. It ends with God telling us to come and drink freely. And that is telling us that God is a God who wants to meet us, not only at the ordinary everyday places of our life, but God is a God of abundant provision. God is not a stingy Taskmaster who is trying to withhold things from you and see how miserable your life can be. But God is a God who enjoys. The Bible says he gives bread to to, uh, to enliven our hearts. He gives us all sorts of good things. The psalmist said, he satisfies me with good things. I want you to know that the God of Scripture is a God who delights in satisfying you with good things and satisfying Some of you might need to get free from all your stuffy, stiffy religious mindsets who think that God doesn't want to have a good time. I just want to point your attention to Jesus. When Jesus showed up on the earth in the flesh, he was all about a party. Some of y'all need to just get shaken out of your little religious moralisms and realize that the first thing Jesus ever did, the first miracle Jesus ever performed, there was a party, there was a wedding, and it was getting ready to end because the wine was running out. And Jesus said, I just need y'all to know I love a party. Let's let this go a little longer. How many of you know sometimes Jesus might just want to extend the party in your life a little bit? When your joy is running out, when your peace is running out, when your ability to enjoy the everyday moments of life is running out, Jesus will meet you in those moments, and He will provide supernaturally what you are not able to manufacture on your own. And so... In the middle of the story, at the beginning of the story, at the end of the story, we have tables. I was actually studying this week and, and I was seeing this theme and I I asked, I was asking the Lord in my studies, like, God, okay, this makes sense. But you know, in the garden of Eden, I see that there's eat freely, but there's no table. And I was like, you know, this would make my sermon just perfect if you would have just put a table in the garden, you know, and I don't want to, you know, put things and, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, the garden was a table the whole thing was a table everything they could eat it said every tree of the garden you can eat freely god basically said welcome to my kitchen so in the middle of their journey the israelites hit this question in psalm 78 and they say can god prepare a table in the wilderness and i got to thinking about that verse and my wife likes to watch the food network we watch, we, we eat food, we watch food, we celebrate food. Food is a core value at the Pike House. She has this show with this famous chef named Gordon Ramsay, and he takes on these challenges, and he goes into these wild places, like these, you know, third world countries, and he goes into these places, and he kind of does a contest with a the, with the chef from the third world country, and they have to cook from, like, the wilderness. They have to, like, go out into the jungle and find the ingredients and harvest them. And so, Gordon Ramsay is this five-star chef who's been cooking in, like, the best— you know, restaurants all over the world with all of the equipment that he can get. And he's out there like cooking on, you know, a tree stump and he's got like some charcoal and he's like, you know, but, and you see him sweating and he's like dropping cuss words every now and then because it's stressing him out. He does that all the time, but he's really doing it on this show and we're having to bleep it out. And the reason is, is because it's another level of a chef's expertise to prepare a table in the wilderness. I mean anybody can cook when you got all the things that you need and so the psalmist got in the middle of the wilderness and they began to ask the question can God prepare a table in the wilderness in other words I understand preacher that you're saying this God is a God who wants to satisfy me with good things and he turns water into wine but right now my life doesn't look like a feast my life doesn't look like a good time my life is in the middle of a desert and I don't need to hear some theory about God who loves to enjoy things. I need to know, can God do something about the desert that I find myself in? And I really appreciate the psalmist because if the psalmists aren't anything, they're honest. You know, if you quote a lot of psalms in church, people get a little uncomfortable. Because in church, we're not honest. We just try to be like, you know, really, really impressive. We try to be like, you know, like we got our stuff together. But the psalmist, they didn't get that gene. They don't have that in their blood. They're like, you know what? I'm mad about it. I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to tell God about it. I got an issue right now. I need a tissue for my issue, and I'm going to get all my stuff out on the table right now. You know, if you were pastoral counseling a psalmist, you'd have to really calm them down because they'd be like, you know what I've been asking pastors that God would break their teeth. I've been asking that he'd drop a bomb on them. I'm just asking that God would do something to them that would make, you're like, now just calm down a little bit. But the psalmists are honest and sometimes what our prayers need is a little more dose of honesty. Can I tell you that your anger would be much better suited to you if you would release it in prayer than if you would hold it in your heart? If you're frustrated with where you're at in life and you're frustrated with how things aren't playing out, the best thing you can do with all of those emotions is take them to God in prayer. I didn't say call four friends and tell them about it on the phone. I didn't say go to Facebook and post about all your problems and tell everybody so that you can get all the sympathy comments back and try to fill that aching hole in your heart. I said what you can do with that frustration and anger is you can take it to God in prayer because as long as you hold it in your heart, the only person it's going to hurt is you. And so, there is a way in which God throughout Scripture is continually telling us, I am able to prepare a table for you. When we look at the life of Jesus, He comes as the fulfillment of all of the major themes of Scripture. And the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians says that all the things that God has to say are summed up in Jesus. So when you look at Jesus' life in the Gospels, you see all the themes of Scripture summed up in, And so it's interesting that Jesus is constantly at tables. I mean, he's inviting people to tables. When people invite you know what you'll never find in the gospel, somebody say, Hey Jesus, you want to come over to my house for dinner? And Jesus' is like, no, I'm too busy. No, Jesus' is like, I'm in. You got food, I'm coming. Jesus is my guy. I'm telling y'all right now. He's all about, you want Jesus. And then in Revelation chapter 23, you get this great picture of Jesus. And he's standing outside the door of the church. And he's like, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Just open the door. And this is the best part. He's like, just open the door. And you think, what do you want to do, Jesus? Do you want to have a church service? Do you want to lay hands on me? Do you want to, you know, have a powerful, no, Jesus is like, just open the door. I want to come in and eat with you. I want to dine with you. Man, I'm telling you, I'm getting fired up about a Jesus who's passionate about dinner. Praise the Lord. Let's go. Where are we going for lunch, babe? Where are we going? I'm ready. Come on. Listen to this. The churches worship, historically, most world religions, if you say, what do you center your worship around? They center their worship around a holy place. They center their worship around a holy city. They send their, center their worship around a holy altar, a place of sacrifice, uh, uh, some something that's been consecrated, de- dedicated. And, and and that's what world Rich is. But the church, historically, from the beginning of the of the inception of the church, the church has said our worship is going to center around the table. Watch this. Because because uh, here's why. Because All of the other kings of the earth, they made their subjects serve them and bring them food. So if you find any kingdom of the world, If you find the head of that kingdom, it doesn't have to be a kingdom, it could be a democracy, it could be a dictatorship, it could be communism, it doesn't matter what it is. If you find the guy at the top, he's eating the best food and everybody's working to bring him the best food. But the church realized we have something that is completely upside down and countercultural because our king didn't come to get us to be subservient to him so that he could enjoy the best things. Our king came to lay his life down for us so that we could partake of the best things and it turns out the best things aren't bread and wine the best things are the body and the blood of our king he gave us his own life and so we center our worship around a table where he meets with us and he sustains us by his very life That's unusual. I mean, have you ever thought about how strange that was? When I was in church growing up, we always had a table down there. There was a table. Every church has had a table. This do in remembrance of me. Had it written on there in wood. Had to be all the time. You know what I'm talking about, right? How strange is that? These people are worshiping. Why do you have a table? Like, who has a table in the middle? Well, the church does because the church recognizes that God is the God who is in the midst of us. God is the God of our everyday. You know what you do three times a day? Most people... come to a table. Now, some of y'all don't go to a table, you go to a drive-thru, because that's because you're 21st century creatures. You're a unique breed of species that we're still trying to figure out. So, you don't go to a table anymore, but you get you some food somewhere. Now, I want to just give you three, I want to just teach a little bit about three things that we can draw from the idea of table in Scripture. Over the, over the coming weeks, we're going to look at some of the particular stories of Jesus and his disciples and how in a, in a zoom in, say with Jesus and Matthew or Jesus and James and John, this, all of this truth is just focused in on these individual stories so that Jesus says to them, follow me. And guess where following Jesus leads each one of them? Eventually, it leads them to a table. Are you with me? So how many of you know that that means that when Jesus says to you, follow me, eventually it's going to lead to you getting to a table. And so over the coming weeks from now till Easter, we're going to look at various stories and how they bring, how Jesus brings people to the table. But this morning, I want to give you some general principles about what it means that God's place for us is a table. So I want you to write these down. If you're taking notes, I've got three of them for you this morning. Number one, it means that God's place for us is a place of rest. God's place for us is a a place of rest. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. So in order to really understand this, what we have to realize is that one of the goals of Jesus the shepherd in my life is to get me to slow down. That, that, was, that was, if you just came, and I don't know how much you paid to get in here today. I don't know how much the tickets were outside, but that was worth the price of admission right there. One of the goals of the good shepherd, according to Psalm 23, is to get me to slow down. Now let me just tell you, that was true 3000 years ago when that Psalm was written and everybody lived at an extremely slow pace of life, like they did like two things a day, right? And now we live in the 21st century. How many of you know that the goal of the good shepherd is still today as it was then? And so here's what I wanna say to you. If you truly submit to the shepherd, you will eventually lie down and come to rest. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm not real deep. This isn't real complicated. But I think that means that if my life consists of me constantly running around like a chicken with my head cut off, I'm not submitting to the shepherd very well. I'm losing my amens every time I say something, Brother Felix. You're going to have to help me out down there, okay? I think that's what that means. And so, you know, St. Augustine in the fourth century said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. So that means that my soul, the psalmist said, my soul finds its rest in thee. Do you know what your soul really is looking for? It's not looking for more money. It's not looking for pleasure. It's not looking for promotion. What your soul, your inside, your inner man, you know what it's really looking for? It's looking for rest. It's looking for rest. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse number 28, common to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Have you ever thought about that promise? Have you ever made that promise personal from Jesus to you? That Jesus, just think about Jesus, the guy who died on the cross, rose from the dead, sits on the right hand of the Father, and he's saying to you, put your name in there. He's saying, Shad, I want to give you rest. Jesus is saying, I've got some rest. I'd like to give it to you. How many of you know that's a pretty good offer? It's a pretty good offer. Then Then he says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. So, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I want to teach you how to rest. Wow! Like, Jesus wants to be my teacher, and like, course number one is how to rest. And don't forget, Jesus is the guy who likes to eat. It doesn't get any better than this, folks. I mean, this is good news. You know what you need to learn from Jesus? How to rest. Why do you need to learn how to rest from Jesus? Because according to Jesus, we enter the kingdom not by running, but by resting. Jesus says, I want you to get into the Father's kingdom and the Father's way of life. And here's the problem, is that if you are all jacked up in your own energy and your own effort, then the devil's not going to be the one to keep you from entering into the kingdom, but you are going to be the one who gets in your own way. And so if I can just get you to rest in your soul and calm down and trust me, then I'll guide you into a place where the Father's life and love and the Father's kingdom can abound to you. And so times in the kind of church I grew up in, and I love the kind of church I grew up in, we blamed everything on the devil. But most of us didn't need a devil, because we had already stressed ourselves out with all the stuff we were doing. We were running and keeping up with the Joneses and doing everything, and the devil could take a five week vacation, because we were all tied up in knots. We couldn't rest. We couldn't experience God's life. But if we would have just listened to Jesus, he was saying, come unto me. I want to give you something. I want to teach you something. Thing about how to really live and so the table is a place of rest Jesus said in Matthew 8 11, that many will come from the east the west the north and they will sit down with Isaac Jacob and Abraham in the kingdom of heaven So I got to give you that scripture just in case you're confused about how Jesus said rest is the way that you enter into the kingdom. And so when we come to a place of rest in Jesus, we're actually coming into a place where we can enter in more deeply and more fully into the life, the kingdom of God. that. God has for us. It's literally the word that uh, anaclino, which is where we get the word uh, recline from. It's actually lay down. So you, you know, when they ate back then, they kind of just, they had like lazy boys. I mean, they weren't lazy boys, but them guys just chilled. They leaned back. They had a, they didn't like have a a 30 minute meal. Like this was a, this was a, this was a big evening occasion. So everybody say, I'm going to come to a place of rest. Just say that, just declare that over yourself. Number two, the table indicates that God's place for us. Now, this is really good right now, but I just want you to know the further we go into the message, the more challenging it's going to get. Amen. Are you okay? Is everybody all right with that? Just full disclosure. So, it's still—number two still good. It's a place of receiving. It's a place of receiving. It's a place of rest. It's a place of receiving. Here's what I want you to notice about this. I want to go back to the Garden of Eden. And so, once again, you know, you've got God— who's symbolized by me standing up here on the top step, and he says to Adam and Eve, he says, of all the trees of the garden, you can freely eat, right? But how many of you know that's not all he said? Then he said, just don't eat from that one. Now listen to that. God says, I've spread a feast for you. You can eat as much as you want. God said, you don't have to do a paleo diet. You don't have to do a keto diet. You don't have to do the whole 30. You don't have to, you know, do fruits and veggies. You can eat everything in the garden as eat freely. I mean, eat freely. I'm about to shout and have revival all over again. Eat freely, God said, right? And then he said, but don't eat from that one. And you know what those two humans did? They went... What'd he say? Which one can we not eat from? They just kind of wandered over there. You ever had like a two-year-old or a three-year-old? If you just, you know, if you got, you know what we should do? I've got a great parenting advice for me. I wish I would have thought of this when my daughter was a kid. What you do is take some broccoli and put it out on a table and say, whatever you do, don't you dare eat that. If you eat that, you will be in the biggest trouble of your life. Do not eat the broccoli. Whatever you do, you know about 30 minutes, then we're going to be gone. Right? because it's human nature. It's just something in us. So what is the message to us about that in the same way, watch this, if we're too focused on the restriction God has placed on us, we'll miss the feast God has set before us. So, I want to say to you that in your own life, there are going to be words of restriction that God places on you. God is not going to say, go have yourself a happy-go-lucky time, and I'm just going to approve of everything you do. God is going to say, there are things that are not good for you. Stay away from that. But if you focus on the restriction, you'll miss the feast. And what you have to learn from Adam and Eve is that I got to pay attention to what God said I could partake in, because whatever God said, I could partake in is the best thing for me and there's more than enough God says you can eat and enjoy freely your life but I want you to hear the word of restriction that God's going to give you and I want you to know that when God says don't do that you just need to forget it's there block it out of your imagination and go enjoy all the trees because God is never going to say to you you can't have a tree no food for you God is not the soup Nazi. Five people. (laughs) It's all right. Seinfeld community. All right. God desires us to live in a place of abundant provision. Here's what I want you to see, though. You may be in a garden right now, and this may relate to you. You may be in the middle of just a great season of your life, and you just say, wow, that's great. But I believe that I came to preach to some people this morning, who you're not in a garden. You don't feel like you're in a garden. You're not, th- th- life isn't going good. You need to be like the psalmist and just get honest about it. You're in the middle of a desert. You're in the middle of a wilderness. And the psalmist question is your question. Your question is, can God prepare a table in the wilderness for me? And so I want to say a couple of things to you about that before we get to my final point. Number one, yes, God can prepare a table in the wilderness. God's ability to prepare a table is not dependent on my circumstances. There's a great there's a great joke about um, 21st century scientists and uh, and the and the joke is is that they came up with you know they finally discovered how to create a human and they got you know human DNA and they they figured out we can we can actually engineer life and so they orchestrate a meeting with God because they're so proud of themselves and they come to God and they say hey we have done it we can create human life and then and then they say are you, you know and God says, oh, really? You can create human life? I want to see this. And they say, okay, that's great. We're going to get ready to do it. And then God says, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you do that, I just want to, I just want to remind you, you need to get your own dirt. Because whatever you're going to do as humans, you may think you can create something, but you've got to start with something. But God is the God who doesn't need anything to start with. And you may feel like you're in the middle of the Sahara Desert, but if you've got God in your life, all God needs is one word from God to create everything that you have need of. God can create a table in your wilderness. The wilderness was the place of journey. It was the place where they had not arrived. It was a place that they were on their way. And I've got good news for people who are on your way to where God's called you to be. You may feel like I haven't fully arrived. I haven't gotten there. I'm still in like step two of step 242. But God says, I'll provide for you on the way. I'll give you to-go meals. I will meet you on your journey and give you daily bread for. Everything that you have need of, sometimes we feel like we've got to earn or achieve or arrive at where God wants us to be before God will provide for us. But I want to tell you about a God who will prepare a table for you on your journey. Some of you are going backwards and God says, I'll still provide for you. If you'll just listen to my voice, I'll give you everything you have need of. Can I tell you that if your life is still in process— if your life is incomplete, if your life is, and I don't know whose life isn't that way, but if your life is in process or incomplete, did you know that God still calls it good? Yes. Yes. How many of you know sometimes we think that we have to get all the way done for God to call it good, but on the second day of creation, God got done and he said, that's good. And somebody might've said back to God, said, God, you're not finished yet. You got six days of creation to go. This is an incomplete project. And God said, but that's good for today. Do you know at the end of your day, if you'd listen, sometimes God's just saying, that was good for today. What does that mean? Like, I'm a holy saint now? No, not even close, but it was good for today. Let's go to sleep. Wake up and do it again tomorrow. Because sometimes things are incomplete, but God still calls them good. God is a God who is a God of process. And what He's looking for in your life is not perfection. God's just looking for progress. Am I doing all right? Am I doing all right? So... God meets us on our journey. Last thing I want to tell you real quick. This one's going to get, this is for the, the people who are really ready to be stretched. It's really stretched me. The table is a place of releasing our hostility and embracing God's hospitality. The table is a place of releasing our hostility and embracing God's hospitality. The psalmist says, He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I've heard this preached a lot in my life, and you could preach it about 14 different angles if you want to, you know, that God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies just to make your enemies jealous. That God just takes care of you in the presence of your enemies to make you, you know, just to show your enemies that God's taking care of you and nothing they can do to you harm you. That's good. That's good preaching. Amen. I'll shout that down. Right? That's fine. Right? But I think there might be something a little bit deeper if we really understand the true nature and the true heart of God. And that is actually that God deals with his enemies, not by hostility, but he deals with his enemies by hospitality. So, when they came to Jesus and they said, why do you keep going to these sinners' houses? Those people are God's enemies. Those are not God's friends. Those people aren't interested in God. And Jesus said, I know they're not. That's why I'm going. Because I'm going to take them from being enemies and I'm going to turn them into friends of God. And the way I'm going to do that is not by beating them upside with a baseball bat. The way I'm going to do that is I'm going to show them what God's really like. Because if you remember, you used to be an enemy of God too. And God invited you to His table, and you sat down at His table, and you were converted from an enemy into a friend. So the way that God deals with His enemies, and sometimes our problem is, we forgot that we used to be hostile to God. But it wasn't God's hostility that transformed us. It was God's hospitality that transformed us. So what we need to offer to the world is not hostility from God, but we need to offer hospitality from God. Because the God who prepares a table in the presence of our enemies also calls us to be table preparing people. So we live in a world where everybody's trying to build walls and establish boundaries and cordon everything off, but the church needs to be the people who are not into dividing and radically separating, but are the people who are saying, hey, you're welcome at our table. We may not see eye to eye, but we can sort it out over a meal, and I can show you what God is like. You see, reconciliation happens at the table. Healing happens at the table. Grace happens at the table. God's power is manifest at the table. It's at the table that Jesus shows us who he really is. This is seen in the Old Testament in the story of Joseph. And I'm getting ready to conclude in case you're wondering. Just give you a little progress reports along the way. Joseph <coughs> has... 11 brothers. He separated from his brothers at a young age. His brothers imagine in their head that their brother is their enemy and that they are their brother's enemy. This is always the root of all of our problems is that when we mistake who God wants us to be brothers with and we start calling those people enemies. So they throw him into a pit. They sell him to slaves. God blesses him, sends him off to Egypt. And Joseph, who is the prefigurement of Jesus, has gone before his brothers into a different kingdom and into a different realm. And he's waiting on his brothers who think that they are his enemies. And they come to him. They don't know who he is. They don't recognize him. And then he's got the power to exercise hostility over them. You need to understand this in the story of Joseph. Joseph has power over his brothers. He has the power of revenge at his disposal. I mean, if Joseph said, lock them up, they'd be locked up. If Joseph said, off with their heads, off with their heads. Joseph had the power because Joseph is showing us the true one who has the power over all of creation, but what Joseph does to his brothers who've become enemies is he doesn't move in hostility he says let me tell you boys what I've done for you come on in I've spread a table for you I'm ready to have dinner with you I don't want revenge I want reconciliation you see each and every one of us have lived our lives in ways that are hostile to Jesus and his kingdom and if you don't believe that then just start believing it and if you can't handle the fact that your preacher right now has lived his life in ways that are hostile to Jesus and his kingdom, that's all of our stories. But Jesus is the better Joseph. He's better than even Joseph. He's the one who spreads a table in the presence of his own enemies. And his enemies aren't the people you don't like. His enemies were you. And he said, come to my table, come and eat freely, come and drink freely. If you will come, come and sit at the table you will be transformed do you know what's going to bring healing to the relationships in your life it's not going to be you trying to get one up on somebody it's not you trying to get the last word. You know, they threw a jab and you got to get your left hook in before you leave the house. You know what? If you do that, you're just in a cycle of violence. You're in a cycle of retaliation. All you're doing, you know, you they subtweet you, you subtweet them. You post on Facebook, they post on Facebook. You say this to your friend, they say that to their friend. You say this to your sister, she says that to your brother. And y'all just keep going round and round and round. And you know I'm preaching real good right now. I'm preaching right up in somebody's business. But you know what breaks that cycle? A Joseph breaks that cycle. A Jesus person breaks that cycle. Says, I don't need to get back at you. I don't got nothing against you. Just come to the table and let's forgive one another. Forgiveness is the power that breaks the cycles of retribution and bondage in our life and forgiveness is best experienced to humans through the vehicle of the hospitality of the table. You know, when you have severe family breaks and breaches in relationship, one of the great indicators, and you'll see this in any family, and one thing that'll stop happening is that they will not be able to bring themselves to sit down and have a meal together. Might still talk on the phone, might still text, but, but when there's a breach, we can't get ourselves to the table. And I was praying this week and I was, I was preparing this week and I think that there are some of us today who what Jesus wants to do in our life is just extend fresh grace of hospitality to us. Say, so you know what, if you're holding on to a little bit of hostility, if you'll just let go of that, come to the table. Maybe it's for you and Jesus. Maybe it's Jesus on the outside of your heart, just knocking, saying, I'd like to come in and sup with you. But maybe you've got some hostility in your relationships. Maybe you're at a place where you're not at a place of rest or you're not able to receive from God. You know what hostility does is it robs us of our ability to rest and it robs us of our ability to receive. And as long as you're wound up in hostility, you're not gonna be able to rest in God. You're not gonna be able to receive what God has for you. And I got good news, God wants to give it to you. I hope I made that plain in the introduction. God's up there going, man, I'd love to unload this on you, but you're so wound up in anxiety and hostility. You're so wound up in resentment and offense. You're so wound up in the cycles that your culture perpetuates every day that you can't rest and you can't receive. But if you'll let that go, I've got a table prepared for you. You know what? If you're in a garden today, God's got a table prepared for you. If you're in a desert today, God's got a table prepared for you. It doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter how much you've got right, how much you've got wrong. God says, I want to spread a table for you. So I want to invite you this morning. We're going to invite our prayer teams to come in just a minute. once not you stand to your feet all over the building? I want to give you an opportunity just to respond to the word of the Lord. But let's lift our hands right now. And let's just thank God for his generosity, his hospitality, and his love to us. Ask our prayer teams just to get ready to come down front. We're going to open up these altars in just a minute. Let's worship Jesus for just a minute. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. wasn't holding you up. So there's nothing I can do to let you down It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud I'll never be more loved than I am right now Cause you are Chira You are enough Say Chira just open up those hands right now to heaven. Just begin to receive. Just come to begin to come to a place of rest right now. Come to a posture of receiving. Forever enough. You're always enough. You're more than enough. It's clear what it's all about So stay my mind thank you that you are more than enough today. God, I feel your heart for people today, wherever they're at. Lord, I know that there are people that say, today I'm restless and I need to find my rest. There's people today that say, I, I can't receive what God has for me. there's people today who may say, man, I need to let go of some hostility. I'm caught up in some cycles, and I just need to break those cycles right now. I need to. I can be the one who says, you know what, this is coming to an end. It doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong or who got the last word. I'm just going to forgive those people and let that go. And I, if they don't come to the table with me, I'm coming to the table of the Lord. I'm going to get this right, and I'm going to invite them. But if they don't come, that's their call. But I'm going to get this right and get to the table of the Lord. So, Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord, that you said we could eat and drink freely. And the most important thing we can eat and drink is your love, your grace, your mercy that's poured out in Jesus. So, Lord, I pray for my friends right now. In Jesus' name. I want to invite you. We're gonna get ready to, to let people go if they need to go, but I want to invite you just to come down, find a prayer partner today. If if there's things in your heart that you know just need to be released, these people are confidential. You can share with them, they'll agree with you and pray just simply with you. But I believe something can break loose in your life today if you'll just agree with someone. So if your heart is going a little bit nuts on you right now and you know you just need to pray with somebody, I want you to get out from your seat, come down right now, and let someone agree with you. The rest Of you You can continue to worship if you need to go. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Have a great week. We love you. Don't forget, God's got a place of rest for you, He's got a place of receiving for you, and He's got a place where you don't have to live in hostility anymore. Have a blessed week in Jesus' name.
1: Hello, Gate Church family. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We pray that your hearts were touched and convicted and you know what that you have the realization today that you are invited to the table that whatever it is that you have need of jesus has opened a table for you if you need rest if you need reconciliation he wants to be able to do that in you today we've got people online right now ready to pray with you, just let them know below in the chat. They love to pray with you with anything that you have need of, anything that you're believing God for. And then also we want to help you be connected. We have an online connect group that meets. You might not be able to make it here. You might be living somewhere else besides Oklahoma City, and we want to make room for you. So we'd love for you to be a part of an online connect group. If you're not already, you can put that in the link, uh, or there will be a link below, or you can just type I want to be a part of an online connect group and we'll love to get you connected. So we thank you for joining us today. I'm just going to pray to close us out. Father, I just thank you for every person that's watching today. Lord, you know what they need. Lord, you know where they are. You know what they've been facing. God, I just thank you that you're just causing reconciliation to come God, that people are coming back to the table. God, that families are coming back to the table, that people are reconnecting again. Lord Jesus, we just throw aside the hostility that the enemy has been trying to stir up within us. And Father, we receive your hospitality. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person watching today. God, thank you for moving in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We hope that your life was transformed. Again, there's going to be people ready to pray with you if you need prayer, if you want to know more about a connect group. We'll see you back here next week.